0: Today's sermon is entitled "Work Is Worship," and Pastor Steve asked me just to uh, read the scripture we'll be featuring today. It's Colossians 3:22 through 4:1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and in reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Ryan, small business owner. Carol, and I'm an artist. Jill, stay-at-home mom. I'm Larry Tim, and I'm a farmer. I'm Dr. Brian Finley, I'm a family practice doc. Pam, I'm office manager at Life Care Family Medicine. Kelsey, film projectionist. Gary Broyer, deputy county attorney. Brad, audio-video specialist. Hi, I'm Chris Healing. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. good. I want to, want to see all the different places people work. I uh, I really enjoy meeting people. It's a, a personal thing for me. I like a lifetime fitness. It's like a challenge to see how many guys that you can get to know. And I just know I, you, I don't talk to them in the steam room though. You don't do that. And, um, but uh you know how it is when you first meet somebody, one of the first things you want to find out is what their name is. You start at the very basic level and, and very often, I think it's typical, that's not too far into the conversation before you're asking each other what you do for occupation, what your job is. And I think one reason we do this is it's such a major part of our lives. It's part of what shapes who, who we are. And, and, and and many times once that you know questions answered you find out what what they do it uh, you you start asking other questions about their job you want you know it's just <clears throat> especially if it's unfamiliar to you you want to kind of you know wrap your arms around and figure out what it is that they do and say so you, you know you ask a few more questions and it's also true that our our jobs our work is something we talk over with our friends and. and Close closer to the friendship, the more open you are. And talk about the things that, you know, the good things that happen that you really like. And, and then you talk about, you know, what might be hard or frustrating or challenging in your job. And, but there is a, a certain sense where it's true that we really cannot understand uh, someone else's job unless we're there with them. You know, like walk through a day or several days with them. Because there's so many... So many pieces involved in in someone's job that really impact what it's like for for that person on a daily basis. I say that to recognize that we all come here today, coming out of a week of work, a whole variety, a whole rate of experiences that go with the job that we have. Some of us have a job that we absolutely love. It's like almost every day we wake up excited to go to work and we would say, you know what, I'm so fortunate to have that dream job. Not only only do I get to do what I like to do, but I get to do it with people that I really enjoy being with. Beck and I lucked out this year with the College World Series. We've had three invites to go to, had some amazing seats and the last game I went to was uh, Friday evening and um, sitting there for maybe 15, 20 minutes and I suddenly realized that um, somebody sitting right in front of me kind of to my, to my right that's got this great big smile on his face and, and um, his son is standing there and his son's smiling at me and, and I, I find out that they started attending Brookside uh, earlier this year uh, I met John's wife Carrie a few, about a month ago, I think. And, and, uh, but anyway, John uh, is one of those guys. He's he telling me about what he does because, again, I love to know what people do. And, and he farms with his dad over in Iowa, uh, 1,400 acres they farm. And, but he's also a coach uh, in a small town in Iowa, uh, Tri Center. I'm saying that right this time. First service, I said trainer, and a little competition going on between Iowa people here. There were some people from Trainer, and they were—they thought that was so funny that I, because they know him, and I gave the wrong to- town. But he also sells seed corn, and uh, he just loves all, all parts of his job. Others uh, of us are doing what we hope to do for a career, but the environment, the culture in which we work is. It's one that drains us. It's, you know, drains the energy out of us, the joy out of us, and it's it's all because of what's going on there, the culture. You know, the the whole political game playing that can go on, and and you know, uh, dog eat dog competition, backstabbing, power playing. I'm, I'm I'm sure some of you have been in that kind of a situation. Maybe you are right now. You know, think of anything that makes a place a hard place to work, and you would you would say to me, boy, Steve, I'm there every day. Isn't it true that sometimes all it takes is one person to wreck a job? You know, like everyone's nightmare, that person, I want to ask you to raise your hands sir, if you've known someone like that. But, and, and, and then there's, there's some of us here today, some of us here today, where it's all bad. We don't like what we do. Um, you know, it's not satisfying. It just leaves us feeling empty. It's boring. And, and the environment in which we work is about as tough as it gets. So not, not only do we work for hard people, but we work with hard people. And, and so if I asked, you would say, you know what? I think Solomon was right when he asked the question in Ecclesiastes, uh, this question where he said... What does a man get for all the toil and anxious striving with which he labors under the sun? All his days, his work is pain and grief. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is meaningless. Some of us would say, yeah, I understand that. Uh, Let me me just say this. Um, Some of us are here today who are unemployed. And been unemployed for a while, and, man, you'd just love any kind of a job. And, man, I just want you to know I've been there. In fact, I was there before Beck and I came here to Omaha. And I remember the feelings I had, the anxiety and the fear and the wonder, man, am I ever going to be able to, you know, be a pastor again and do what I, I, I really would love to, to be able to do? And so I just want to just say it, you know, on the outset here, that I wouldn't mind if you sent me an email or if you tapped me on the shoulder and said, boy, Steve, here's my deal, pray for me, because I I would love to pray for you, okay? Okay, so I say all of this about the different kinds of jobs we might have to recognize that what we're going to talk about this morning is, is a lot more challenging for some of us than it is for others of us. A lot more challenging. But what I'd, what I'd like us all to come away with this morning is a good grasp of, of why we work, why we work. Really, what is the number one reason for our work? And, and it's, it's, it's not what you might have seen on that bumper sticker. You know, I, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Okay? That's not it, it's this. First and foremost, we work to bring honor to God. Or to put it another way, our, our work is to be, an act of, it's to be an act of worship to God. And so, so here's the goal that I, that I, that I have today. I'm, I'm hoping by the grace of God that I'm, I, can, I can convince you of this equation. Not only convince you of it, but, but that you leave here today and you'll say, man, I want to live out this equation in my life. And so here's, here's today's equation, okay? It's, it's work equals, any guesses? Worship, alright? Work equals worship, okay? Um, Now, that's a, I'll admit it right away, that's a huge concept to get our arms around, okay? In fact, some of you might be sitting out there thinking to yourself, you know, you'd say, Steve, are you, are you sure? I mean, you really, you really mean what you just w- wrote, that work equals worship, that, that work is worshiping? You might even be thinking, you know what, I think Steve's been writing sermons too long. You know, it's been too many years since he's been out in the secular workplace. I mean, does, does he know what it's like to work out there? And I mean, how can, that, how can it be possible that what I do every day is, is worship? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm absolutely convinced I'm right. It's true. And the reason is true, here's the reason. God does not divide our lives into the sacred and the secular. In God's mind, everything is sacred, including the work that we do. And here's why. It's it's because it's possible for us to turn the hardest, the most most godless, the most ruthless place of work into a place where where God is glorified, where God is honored, and where God is made visible to other people. And and we can do it by living, living the life of Jesus Christ. Like Paul described in all of chapter three what we've looked at over the last several weeks. And in fact do you remember remember a few years ago the 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 initials W W J D what would Jesus do? And it was on everything, you know? Uh, that's what we're talking about here is at work asking ourselves the question constantly over and over, what would Jesus what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do here? And what do you do in this situation, you know? What I hope to show you this morning is that it's really possible in the best of situations, in the worst of situations, for what you do and, and, and how you do it to be this awesome act of worship, one that honors God, and, and, and doing this draws others to Jesus Christ. See, that's what Paul wanted the believers in Colossae to understand. And, in, in what he wrote in the verses that Emily read a few minutes ago that we're looking at this morning, it's, it's how we're to see this part of our life, what what and, and and man get this: what's estimated to be half of our total hours when we're we're up and awake. Eh? Okay? I mean, think about that. Half of our total hours awake. Really, that's like half of our life. And so, without question, what we're looking at today has has huge significance because what we're talking about involves a major part of our lives. That's why it's so much fun for me to share this passage with you today. why I'm so motivated to do it. In fact, last night when I went to bed, I was a little worried I might not get to sleep because I was so excited about coming here today. Honestly. (laughs) Here's what's so transforming about seeing our work this way. If we do it, it, it'll make all the difference for us in closing the gap between Sunday and Monday. Okay? And, I, and I'm convinced this is true whether we love our job and love where we work or we dislike both of them. right? See, what we're talking about is who it is that we see that we... Who, see ourselves working for it's it's being convinced that when it comes right down to it we got this ultimate audience we we have an audience of one every single one of us and that one person is who huh Jesus Christ Jesus Christ and here's the deal everyone if we're convinced of this it changes what we do and how we do it and why we do it I mean, if you and I have this kind of a mindset, it, it, it totally impacts our attitude at work and, and our actions, what we do. Okay? And this is true whether we have a dream job or we have a dreaded job. In fact, I, I would even say this. You know what? It, it's one thing to do this when we got a job that we absolutely love and we're working with people that are fun to work with. We take it to a whole other level When we got a job we don't like and we're working in a really hard situation, man, I tell you what, that gives us opportunity to bring glory to God even more. And so, if you're in the second of the two situations, I just, I I think you're gonna be encouraged this morning because you're gonna be able to leave here today understanding, man, there's really, there can be purpose in this hard situation I'm finding myself in right now. Great purpose. I know this is true. Because I've had so many conversations through all the years that I've been a pastor with fellow believers who have had both kinds of jobs and lived the life of Christ in both. And I've I've experienced both myself. It's kind of fun. I I spent a few minutes kind of tracing back and think about the jobs that I had in, in my life. And so going all the way back to a kid growing up on a farm and working for other farmers, I had a few jobs that my dad gave me to do that I just did not like. I'll tell you one that stood right at the top. It was cleaning out the barn, the manure. Okay, Another, you know the other word for that. Um, and, and, and the worst part of all, I mean, that was that was like a daily part of my life as a kid. And But the worst part of all was in the spring after a long Minnesota winter. My dad had pigs and he had steers and he had this... Big big space where where all the pigs were, and pigs couldn't be outside in the winter all the time. Not, not back then. I mean, farming was kind of different back then. I don't know if they do it the same way now or not. But but those pigs were inside most of the winter, and pigs do what pigs do. Well, everybody does. But pigs do it just wherever. Okay, and 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 so you know what? By the end of the winter, I'll, be, I'll bet there was a foot or more of that stuff. Okay, guess what we got to do. boys sister never had to do it Um, and but but it was we had as soon as it warmed up enough so you could bring the cat or the manure spreader up to the window there we we had this big fork that was about this wide and we spent a a day cleaning out the manure I'll tell you it was like smelly and not good um, and so yeah, I and then and then because, because my mom was physically disabled, and when my sister went out of off the college and I was the youngest, I got the job as a fourth grader. I started doing it as a fourth grader where I cleaned the whole house. That was my job. That was part of my job. So I worked outside and I worked inside. I, kids do not like to clean house. I'll just tell you that right now. I, when, when I was in college, I worked in a Teflon factory. I, 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 I had a job where, where you would count like, like 12 pants and then you would put them in a box and you'd do it again, over and over and over and over and over and over again. But the thing that made that job really miserable was the Teflon that got sprayed on these pants because, man, you think I smelled bad with the manure? Nothing compared to the Teflon, all right? It was so bad you couldn't, even, you couldn't even get the smell out of the clothing when, by washing them. And so I kept them in a plastic bag until the next day I, I, I took them out and put them on and went, and went to work. You remember when you were in biology class and you did the thing with the fetal pig and you put it in that jar? That's what it smelled like, okay, just to give you an idea, all right? Worked on a golf course, college cafeteria, recreation center. Drove a semi, uh, drove a Caterpillar. Worked construction. I, uh, operated a jackhammer. Did not like that because the jackhammer operated me more than, than I, than I operated it. I, I spent a summer laying sod, miserable job. Ninety degree heat, uh, humidity to equal it, absolutely filthy within minutes. I spent a summer laying carpet. Like that less. Uh, traveled in North Dakota and South Dakota, laid carpet in apartment buildings that were being built. The thing we always hoped for is that the water was running, so that at the end of the day we could take a shower. Okay, if we did, if it wasn't, we went to a lake. Um, I, there, there, yeah. People loved it, see us coming. O- only, only one job that I refused to ever take, and it was when back first summer before seminary, and I. I, I Chicago suburbs, big houses, they hire people to landscape their yards and, um, you know, mow grass and all that stuff. So I went to this place to apply for a job, and, and it, it, she started out by explaining to me the first two things that I was going to do. The first one was to, to move a pile of horse manure about this high from this spot in her yard to the other spot in her uh, yard. I, I, that was my first clue, this isn't going to be a good job and, and then, but then she took me in the house and this lady had like a million cats in the house and, and, and my job was going to be to, to refinish the wood floors in her first floor of her house to, because it had, they'd been destroyed by the cat feces all over the place and I left that place going, uh-uh, not, not doing it. Okay. so I've, I've had some jobs all right Let's see what Paul has to say to us today about this first of all the context and the context being everything that Paul's written to this point, And most important of all, the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And, and don't miss this because it has everything to do with what we're going to talk about here with our job, jobs. He's, he's the eternal son of God. He's God. He's, he's the creator of the, of the universe. He's, he's our resurrected savior. I mean, talk about backup. He, it, it's, it's one that has the power to give us the power to live the life that God calls us to to live, which is what Paul writes about in in all of chapter 3, leading him to say this in verse 17 of that third chapter. He said, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul's saying this, as followers of Jesus Christ, every every part of our lives should reflect what we believe is true about Jesus Christ and and then he gets very practical about this. He, he takes it to the daily stuff of life. He, he talks about uh, our relationship together as husbands and wives. And we've looked at that. He talks about the relationship of children to their parents. He, and we saw that. He talked about the, the relationship of moms and dads to their children. And Mike Andrus talked about that last week, the last two. and Great job. And, and now what we're going to see today is that Paul takes it to work takes this whole thing living the life of Christ at work by the way you know i think it's i think it's probably a good idea that we're all on the same page when it comes to how we define how we define work do you remember a few months ago when the the reaction i mean the big reaction when when democratic pundit hillary rosen said on cnn do you remember this when he said when she said that that Ann Romney had never worked a day in her life. Remember that? Anybody else pick up? Yeah, yeah, she said that. Now, I don't know Ann Romney, but I know this much about Ann Romney. She's she's a stay-at-home mom. See, the challenge is a person's definition of work. Hillary Rosen defined it as, as something that you and I get paid to do. I think that's a faulty definition. Okay? I th- I, the right definition to see is to see work this way, and it actually comes from a good friend of mine, Tom Nelson, uh, Kansas City. He wrote a book, Work Matters. It's one of the resources in, in, in the bulletin there for you, one of two books listed. Here's his definition. I think it's really good. He said, uh, this is what work is. Our contribution to this world and to the common good of those living in it. Okay? Our contribution to this world and to the common good of those living in it. So right now, in your life, whether you're paid or you're unpaid for what you do, you've been created to do your part to make this world a better place for everybody, especially those who are the closest to you, people around you every single day. This is true if you're a stay-at-home mom. It's true if you're a student, this is true if you're a community volunteer, or, or you're a corporate executive, or, or, you're, or you're retired, okay? Every one of us have a contribution to make to this world and to the common good of those living in it. I would say that's the way we should see our life, all of our life, to the day we die. Okay, let's, let's dig into the passage itself, Okay. Read the verses that Emily read, and the first thing that becomes obvious is that Paul is speaking to two groups of people. He's speaking to slaves, and he's speaking to masters. He, uh, and, and, and so when you think about that, what's true for every one of us here in this room today is we might relate more to one than the other. Uh, those of us who are employees would relate to slaves. Don't you, don't you like that? We're slaves. Uh, those those who, who, are, uh, who, who own a company, who, you know, who are the employers, would, would more closely relate to masters. I think it's also possible that there's some of us here today who because we not only work for somebody else, but we have people reporting to us, we, we could say, you know what? What Paul says to both groups of people ap- applies to applies to me, all right? Um, by the way, just in case you're wondering about what's up with the slavery thing, you know, is Paul endorsing it by, by what he wrote? Not at all. Read all of the scripture, and it's very clear that God opposes slavery. Slavery is an evil. So Paul's not endorsing slavery. He's not agitating a revolt against it. Instead, what he's, what he's doing is he's he's showing how the power of God can take a, a very bad situation and transform it into one in which the loving, gracious, holy life of Jesus Christ is being lived. Okay? Which I'd say is very relevant to the world in which you and I live. I mean, it's, it, honestly, it just gives me good chills thinking about it. The, the, the possibility, the impact that, that all of us can make in, in the world in which we live. I mean, it's just great. So, first of all, slaves are so for our purposes today, employees. Paul writes this, verse 22, verse 23, he said, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything And do it not not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Uh, It doesn't take rocket science, does it, to figure out what he's saying? It doesn't take a genius. It's very simple, very straight, very clear. But you know what, everybody? It is absolutely profound what he writes. Because what he says covers it all and and emphasizes what is most important. And and, and so as I looked at it, I thought, you know, it seems to me that there are five key points that Paul's making. So I just want to run through them with you very, very quickly here. The first one is this. Do everything you're asked to do and more. And this is a statement. Obey your earthly masters or your employer, the person you report to in everything. What that's saying to us is that unless what they ask us to do is illegal or immoral, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, are expected to follow the directions of, the, of our employer or the person we report to. Number two, do it all the time. Paul said, do it not only when their eye is on you. What he's saying is, be the kind of person who can be counted on when nobody is watching. Do this because it's the right thing to do. And because you know, you know that you have an audience of one. God's watching you 24-7. And so we're talking about things like this. Let me just give you some examples. Uh, Having personal conversations on your cell phone when you should be working. Texting on your cell phone when you should be working, surfing the internet, going on Facebook, yeah. all those things are so easy to rationalize, but they're wrong they're, they're really wrong. Let me, let me just give you a personal example I, I, I think I mentioned I worked on a golf course one summer and and um, and so we did all the work you know we'd drive golf carts around and mow grass and and uh, it was right after my first year in college and I uh, going way back then I just I just love you know being able to share my faith in Jesus Christ with other people and there was all these other college students working so it's like oh man this is going to be a great summer you know and, and and so I began asking God to give me opportunities to talk about Jesus Christ and God did and and so one day I'm, I'm out working with another guy out in the fairway and we're driving. I think we were going like from one green to another and we were driving this golf cart. And so each time we drove, we, that, that particular day he was very, he was wanting to talk about Christ. And, and so we would talk and then, we, and, 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 and then we'd stop and then we'd work. But one time our conversation got so intense. We got so engrossed in it. We just stopped the cart and we sat and talked for it. I don't know, 20 minutes, it might have been 30 minutes. And I, I came up, you know, I finished that conversation and I, I was just feeling so good about myself and we come up to the, to the main house and the, the boss, the groundskeeper, unbeknown to me, was watching us the whole time. And, and I had actually had conversation with him about my faith in Jesus Christ. This was like about a month into the job, you know, and, and you know what he said to me? He said, Steve, I'm so disappointed in you. Here you are, you call yourself a Christian. And he said, and what were you doing? And you know what? He was so right. So right. That's right. The next one is do it for the right reason. Do it not to win their favor. Don't do it to, for brownie points, but do it with sincerity of heart. The, be, the best word for that. Is, sincerity is the word integrity do it because it's the right thing to do you don't need any other you know you don't need anybody else giving you you know the the kudos for doing it you just do it because it's the right thing to do number four do it to the best of your ability Paul said whatever you do work at it with all your heart in a, in a book titled the day America told the truth maybe you heard that book one of One of the statistics was that one out of every four people in the marketplace give their best at work. I mean, think of that. Only one out of every four people. The same book went on to say that the average person weighs 20% of an eight-hour day. Well, you know what? If you do your work, what that means is they're getting paid for uh, uh, working five days a week, but they're only working four days a week. You know what you call that? You know what the word for that is? Stealing. It's stealing. Here's the opportunity this gives us. If if we do what Paul says that we should do, if if we do our very best giving 100% of ourselves, we're going to be showing in a very practical way how Jesus Christ changes who we are. I mean, and, and, and the thing about this, everybody, actions speak louder than What? words and you know what it's one thing to do this if we got a job we absolutely love and we're working with people who are great to work with but you know what if we do this in a, in a, in a job we don't like and when we're working in a hard situation if we, if we do it still do it you know what we do we take this whole thing of bringing worship and glory to God to another level yeah. And the last one is this, do it for the Lord. It kind of covers them all. Paul emphasizes this with three statements. He, verse 22, with reverence for the Lord. In verse 23, as working for the Lord, not men. And then in verse 24, it is, it is the Lord Christ you are serving here's the audience of one part and 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 it's going to be worth it for us to do this for many reasons including the fact that ultimately we're going to be rewarded big time uh, verse 24 look at this verse 24 verse 25 Paul Paul writes since you know that you're going to receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you're serving, says that again. And then verse 25, the other side of this, anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong. And there's no favoritism. See, you see, what this is saying to us is every time you're overlooked, for all the effort that, that, that you give to the person you're working for or reporting to, All those times that you're overlooked, remember this, everybody. God's watching and God's keeping track, and and God's going to reward you big time. So, moms, for example, your little, you know, three month year old, two month year old child. How many times do they say to you after you've changed their diapers, "Thank you, mom." I feel so much better you know I had one couple say to me after church they were laughing about it because uh the dad always says every time to his son after doing that now thank me <laughs> anyway uh okay uh, now and, but don't forget the other side of this too okay, okay? don't forget verse 25 because what we're told is God's watching all the time and, and every single time you and I are think we're getting by with doing less than we could be doing or doing what's wrong. Remember, God's keeping track. Okay? And honestly, I'm glad he is. I like that accountability. So here's a question to ask yourself about each one of these five, five things I've listed. On a scale of 1 to 10, why don't you do this when you get home today? On a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, rate yourself as an employee. Okay, then Paul speaks to, to, to masters, or uh, for us today, employers or managers. And he, he says this one verse. He said, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is radical for Paul to say this. Absolutely radical. Slave owners never thought about doing what was right by their, by their slaves or doing what was fair. The only thing they thought about what, what was their right. And, and their right was to do to their slaves whatever they wanted to do, which would be beating them and even killing them if they wanted to. Okay? And so Paul's raising the bar. In the way these slave owners had never heard before. And he's putting it where it should be for every one of them as followers of Jesus Christ. And I, I love how he wrote this. He puts master and slave on a, on a level playing field. He, he's saying to them, remember, you, you, you both have a master in heaven that you're accountable to. And boy, I tell you what, he's got the power of heaven to back him up. What all of this is saying to any one of us, if we're an employer or a manager, is that we've got a God level standard to guide us in how we lead others. Oh, it's true, you know, something might be acceptable in the culture in which we live that it's okay to treat people who work under us a certain way, that might be acceptable, but i got to tell you, everybody, if in any way it runs contrary to what God would have you do, it's wrong. It's not acceptable. And so the question to be, always be asking ourselves is, is this question. If we're, a, if we're an owner or a manager, do I want to be treated by God the way I treat people who work under me or for me? Okay. Do I want to be treated by God the same way I treat other people? Quite a challenging set of verses, wouldn't you say? Huh? You know, and I know it's, I'll say it again, I know, it's, I know that it's even more challenging for some of us here today than it is for others of us. Because we got a hard job, a job we don't like, or we're working in a hard place. And so how do we do it? I mean, how do we do it? How is it possible for us to honor God? How is it possible for us to make the work that we do each day an act of worship to God, all for the glory of God? How can we do that? Well, first first of all, first of all, we can only do it in the power of God. Of Christ himself remember what I said a few minutes ago how important it is to, to remember everything that Paul wrote about Jesus Christ that he's God he's the creator that he's our resurrected savior I mean my goodness that's the one who's got the power for us and so we can do it every single day depending on his strength, his power, and his wisdom to give us what we need, doing what Paul urged, uh, urged the Colossians to do in, the, in, the, in verse 6 of chapter 2 where, where he said this, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, and strengthened in the faith as you were taught. And so you know what, you know what that means in a very practical way? every single morning before we go to work, having this conversation with our Lord Jesus Christ and asking his Holy Spirit to to give us the power we need and to give us the wisdom and the guidance that we need. It's the last phrase of this verse that I think points us to the second way this is possible. Paul said this, he said this, and overflowing with thanksgiving you know what this does i you know what i think this does i think it it points to the perspective that we have and what we have to deal with every day at work whether we view it as an opportunity to have others see christ in us because you see the truth is the darker a place can be is the brighter the light can shine i don't say that flippantly I don't say that in any way to dismiss or minimize what you might be facing each day at work. The very opposite. I say it because it's true. See, I know it can make all the difference when, when you and I can see that there can be a great, the greatest of opportunities in the hardest of situations. <clears throat> There's a story of, that's told of two salesmen who went to India and after being there long enough to know what they were up against, one of them communicated back to the home office, very discouraged, he said, coming home, no one wears shoes. The other one sent back the message, send more shoes, no one wears shoes. (laughs) So different, right? Two entirely different perspectives. Each one making all the difference in what they did with what they had. Imagine, everybody, imagine the difference that you and I, all of us together can make in the places where we work. I mean, I just love thinking about what's possible if all of us live and work with this perspective where where instead of saying to God, God, get me out of here because no one does right. Instead of saying that, we say God, give me the power and wisdom I need to do what's right. I just, just think of the number of people who could be drawn to Jesus Christ because of what they see in us at work. And, and, and most important of all, what, what we're doing then is that we're honoring God and it's worship, friends. It's worship all the way. Your whole week can be Worship. Worship. So when you finish today and you come home and your husband or wife say to you, what did you do today? You can say, oh, I worship God. I worship God. I worship God. Let's pray. Father, I, I just never cease to be amazed at the wisdom of your word and how much it can just speak truth into every situation in our life, including what we've talked about this morning, our our work. I thank you for that, God. And God, this morning, I, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just strengthen, give us the power every single one of us need, and give us the wisdom that we need to live the life of Christ in the place we work, no matter how hard that place might be. And Father, I pray for those with us today who are unemployed, who are desperately needing and wanting a job. God, I pray that that your spirit will strengthen them with your peace and help them them to trust you, Father, in the midst of all the anxiety and the fear. And then, Father, I pray that you will provide for them that job that they're looking for and, and i pray that you would strengthen them too, god to to go into that job with a desire first of all above everything else to bring glory to you to worship you to worship you in christ's name father in the name of your son and for your glory amen